0: Merry day after Christmas. I don't know what you're supposed to say the day after Christmas. I w- we should make up a word for that. Uh, there's an actual word, yeah. Um, so, like, so I just got a confession before I preach um, because I just got to get something off my chest. Is that okay? Okay. So uh, as most of you know and some of you don't, I have two daughters named Willow and Harper, and we celebrated Christmas yesterday, and they got nail polish for Christmas so, yes, my toes are painted green under these shoes. Just so, just so we're all clear, I just wouldn't feel right continuing this message if I wasn't truthful about that. Is that all right? So, hey, uh, yeah, like I said, we're the day after Christmas, and we spent the last week celebrating just the birth of Jesus and everything that he's done and the plan that was put into motion. And I just want to take a moment before we just pass over this, because we do this sometimes where we just, God does miraculous things and we're just on to the next thing. I think we should take a moment just to celebrate how many people stepped into the light of Jesus over Christmas Eve. So, can we just cheer them on? Maybe they're in this room, maybe they're online. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But now we ask, we ask the question, what now? Where do we go from here? What now? What's next? And I thought it would be a fun idea to jump into some passages that we don't preach on a lot because there's not much that we know about it. Uh, I thought it would be fun to jump into w- the, the young years of Jesus. Jesus. And what, there's not a lot of scripture on it, but there is some, but there's a lot of power in what we read into it. And we're going to start in Luke 2:21. It says this, Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given by him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The, lo- the law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, they must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered a sacrifice required by the law to the Lord. I might ruin a song, a Christmas song for you right here. They offered a sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I hope I didn't just ruin that 12 days of Christmas song for you. That was their offering that they offered up there. And what happens is they take Jesus to the temple to to fill this, this command that has been put on them as the people of God. And they do that. They take Jesus there. They offer him to God as he is the firstborn son of Mary. And then what happens is the Spirit speaks to someone earlier, before even before Jesus was born, named Simon. And he speaks to him and says, you are going to see the Messiah one day. You're going to see Jesus before your life ends. That's what he was told. And and so Jesus is born, and he's at the temple, and Simon makes his way to the temple. In Luke 2, 28 through 32, it says this. Simon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, He is the light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. This is what he says as he's holding baby Jesus. I mean, I just, I was struck by this passage as I read and jumped into it. Just the honor that this man had to be that person to pick up the Savior, to pick up the Messiah, and the words that he speaks over him, This prophecy that he speaks over Jesus' life is so powerful. And I think there's some things that we can pull out of it, out of this passage that Simon says to Jesus and his family that we should live in a certain way based on this. The first thing we should do is we should live with love for God. We should live with love for God. Like I said, he picked up Jesus. He he barely knew Jesus. He barely knew them. He, he, He encounters this baby. And he picks him up and there's, there's love and embrace, right? We don't hug people that we don't love very often, right? There's always that awkward hug with that one family member you can't stand. But we don't often go up and just hug people we don't like. There's something special in the embrace of holding. And the question that was sparked to me is there's so much love in his words for this Savior here. There's so much love in his words of this moment that was told to him years ago. Now he's holding Jesus, and you can see the love just bubbling through Simon here, this moment. And it it struck me that we we have become sometimes so used to doing church, to to going through the motions, that do, do we still have that love that we see in Simon here? Do we have that love that when we first encounter Jesus? For some of you, maybe it was just this Christmas Eve. Maybe for some of you, it was years and years ago. But we have to make sure that we stay in that mindset of loving God day in and day out. Like I said, he barely knew him. He, didn't, he, di- he wasn't going to get anything from this child. He wasn't going to receive anything. And it struck me with something. I Like I said, I have two kids. One of their names is Willow. And Willow has started this new thing where she will come up to me and look at me with just the most perfect eyes, beautiful eyes, and she'll just stare into my eyes. And she'll say, Daddy, I love you. Oh my gosh, my heart just melts every time. And I just feel like, you know what, my kids do love me. Like they're they're perfect, this is great, they do love me. But here's what has started to follow that comment. Daddy, I love you, can I watch my horse videos? It's, it's almost like, like second nature for her, and I started calling her out on it. I was like, do you love me even if I don't let you watch this video? Yes, Dad, but can I still watch my horse videos? Like, it's just this thing, and I, it, started, it struck me, we, we can be the same way with God. We, we can often use this relationship with God and Jesus to say, Jesus, I love you, I need this from you. Jesus, I, I, I love you. I need this right now. Is our, we have to ask ourselves, is our relationship with this Savior, with this Jesus, more than just getting things from him? Is it more than just him doing miracles in our life? Do we love him just for the sake of who he is? We, have, we should ask ourselves that every day. And we should remember that, that God doesn't owe us anything. What he did by sending his son was strictly out of love for us. We should have a relationship with him that goes the same way. That we love him just for who he is, not just what he can do for us. Amen? The second thing we should do based off these words of Simon is we should learn to live in peace. It said this, that Simon now had peace of seeing God's promise fulfilled in his life that was told to him. Simon is often depicted as someone who was watching and waiting, like someone in a watchtower waiting for the Messiah to come, knowing that he wouldn't die until he met him. And then his words echo here, let me die in peace. Let me die in peace. The moment he encountered Jesus for that first time, his response was peace. Let me go in peace, to to rest in his peace, to live in this peace. And the thing is, we have to ask ourselves about Simon here. He trusted the plan of God. He trusted God's plan. The moment he saw Jesus and meets him in the temple, he echoes those words, let me die in peace. That plan that God had put in his life was complete. But think about this. The years of watching for him. The years of waiting with no Messiah, no one had come. Day in and day out, he had to remind himself to bring peace to his life, that God is good. God's words can be trusted. I can trust this word that was spoken to me from God. We have to remind ourselves the same thing over and over and over again. Because I don't know about you, there are days in my life where it is harder to trust than others. There's days in my life where things get really hard, where life gets really stressful, and I have to be in the practice of reminding myself that God can be trusted, that the plans, that the words that he's spoken over my life will come true. Sometimes it might take a little while, but they will come true because God is always good and God is always truthful. The third thing I think we should do here, based off Simon's words, is we should, we should live for others. We should live for others. He said, he said this over Jesus, that this is a light bringing salvation to many. His love for all. He saw in Jesus this calling, this prophecy, that Jesus was going to bring hope and love to everyone creating an avenue for many people, even the Gentiles, even the people who weren't Jewish, the opportunity to respond to Jesus and find salvation. So when we read these words that are spoken over a young baby Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, do we live like this? Do we live like this? Do we live in a way that our life is devoted to loving others, to loving people? Not just with kind words, not just with every once in a while we are called as Christ followers to be like Jesus to love people unconditionally i'm going to say something that's going to make some people mad at me because you just had a bad family experience over christmas we're called to love people we don't like we are there's no there's no ins and outs we are called to love people we don't like and i know that's hard and i know that hurts but christ was for everyone christ was for everyone We should live in a way that we are for everyone as well. Now, I want to make this very clear. There is real-world stuff that happens where you need to put boundaries in your life. You need to have those boundaries sometimes. But you can still be praying for. You, You could still be working on forgiveness for yourself because when we hold on to bitterness and we hold on to judgment, the only person that hurts is us. Not the person we're mad about. We should strive to be like Christ and having a life that is loving and caring for others. Amen? The next thing I want to talk about is I found this beautiful poem that was written about this prophecy that was said over Jesus. It said this, I fear no sin. I dread no death. I have lived long enough. I have my life. I have longed enough. I have my love. I have seen long enough. I have my light. I have served enough. I have my saint, I have sorrowed enough, I have my joy. This is what someone wrote named John Trapp about this word from Simon, that this is what he said when he saw Jesus. Now, just think about this. Simon comes in, he picks up baby Jesus, and if there's any parents in the house, you always get a little worried when someone else holds their baby, right? You know, you always get a little worried. So they're holding, and then, and then Jesus' parents respond with this. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. I mean, it struck me that he would say to Mary, the mother of Jesus, this baby is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many to rise. But then I started to think through this. In Jesus' life, there was many who fell even in their time with Jesus. Think of Judas. Judas was next to Jesus in his his years of ministry, right there side by side, and still went a different path. And there was disciples like Peter, who rose to the occasion, but also rose out of a failure of denying Jesus. It struck me that in our relationship with Jesus, we will live with opposition. We will live with opposition, Just as he's saying to Mary here, he's saying that to Mary that this Jesus will cause people to be in conflict in in physical ways where people will be in conflict just over the idea of believing in Jesus or not. And people will have conflict internally battling that decision to follow Christ daily or follow their flesh daily. That's the conflict he's talking about here. That's the conflict he's saying to us through his word is we will face those desires where we might fall or, and we will rise in our heart. And the same goes for us today. People will come and go in our life with Christ. Right? What he's saying here is many will fall away. People will fall. And I know that there's something when we have relationships and friendships, when that, when that friendship is broken, when that relationship is broken, sometimes it feels unbearable. It feels like you can't get through. But people are sinful just like us. They fall just like us. And people will come and go throughout our life, but we can hold on to the truth that even this, in this opposition, in this world that we live in, Jesus will be forever. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That no matter what happens, when we we find this oppression in life, when people come in and out of our life, when people let us down, this Jesus that we follow will be consistent in our life. Consistent. In this this verbiage he says here, it literally says this word target, that Jesus will be a target to many. And I I think I just want to say this, as a Christ follower, there's going to be times in our life When we are a target. where we are a target. Maybe we're a target of the enemy's attacks. Where he doesn't want us to succeed. He doesn't want us to go forward. He doesn't want us to do all the things that God has called us to do. Maybe we're a target that way. Maybe we're a target with just people in general. People saying cruel things to us. People treating us falsely. People lying about us. All that stuff is true. We will face those things. God's word says it. But we need to remember that Jesus was also a target, and he felt every human pain, and he felt every human wound, and just as he was targeted, we will be targeted, and we can hold true to the fact that he will be in the fire with us, amen, like we just sang about, that when we find ourselves in a season of fire, in a season where we feel like we're in that fire, we can hold true that Jesus is being talked about here by Simon saying, he will be a target. So if our Savior is a target, we have to know that we will also be targeted. But we're not alone in it. We're not alone in it. The next thing that goes on in Luke 2, through 35, it says this. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Think about this. He's talking to Mary here. He's talking to his mom saying that you are going to go through a really hard time with Jesus being your son. Even to the point where it feels like a sword is piercing your soul. And if we know anything about the story of Jesus, this baby, this Jesus was going to grow up to be a man and he would go through excruciating pain. Excruciating pain for us. So the next thing I think we should do is we should live remembering his pain. Live remembering his pain and his sacrifice and his brokenness, his hardships. I have have a grandpa who's passed away now, but I remember as a kid, I would, uh, my grandpa, I would sit on the couch or chair with him and I would look at his hands and his hands were nasty. They were just beat up and cut up burnt. Skin looked horrible. The guy never used lotion once. But his hands, like, told a story. I didn't understand that as a kid. I didn't understand what that meant when I was a kid, that his hands, all this hard work from years and years of going through hardship, so my family would be in a different place one day. He, he worked every day so hard, so many hours, that you could see it actually in his hands. And the reason why I say that is we should view Jesus and his pain that he went through in the same way as my grandfather's hands. I look back at my grandpa's hands now knowing that all of that, like I said, was so I could have a different way of life than he did. All that hard work and pain and extra hours that he went through was so my family could live a better life. Jesus did the same thing for us when he went to the cross. He went through so much pain, so much brokenness, that one day we could have a different life. We could live in his light like we talked about at Christmas Eve. We could have a hope for the future knowing that we wouldn't fear death knowing that we wouldn't have to die and that's it. We have eternity with him. All of that is in the scars that were whipped to Jesus' back, in the wounds that were put in his hands and feet, that one day we would have an opportunity to live differently. We have to remember his pain. Remember his pain. Because like I've been saying throughout tonight, there will be seasons where we go through pain We go through hardship. Jesus did too. And Jesus did it for you and for me. He went through all of that so one day we would have the opportunity to live differently. To to have that moment where we have something to hold on to when times get hard. Now later on in this passage, you guys still with me? Good, good, good. A couple of you are. Later on in this passage... Uh, it goes further to talk about Jesus and what he did, and he's grown up a little bit. He's probably about 12 now in this, as the time goes on, and his parents are making the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they're going to the temple to, to celebrate Passover, and something funny kind of happens in the scripture. They forget Jesus there on their return trip home. They leave him there, and I just thought, you know, if, if there's any parents here who are feeling like, man, I'm not doing a great job as a parent, hey, they forgot Jesus, you know, you're doing great. You're killing it. They forgot him at the temple. And then it says this three days later, they finally discovered him at the temple. Three days. How long were they walking on this journey before they realized Jesus was gone? I got left in the mall by my mom once, and it was like 10 minutes, and I thought the world ended. Three days. Three days they left this kid, Jesus. And so they return, and they discover him at the temple. Sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and answers. He's sitting there teaching these, these leaders of the time as a kid. And they're amazed by his answers because at the time, they don't know who he is. They don't know he's the Savior. They don't know he's the Son of God. To them, he's just a kid. But he's he's listening, he's questioning, he's he's above his years in this moment. And there was a couple things as I read this story about Jesus. It says that he was sitting at the feet of the leaders, listening, asking questions. He was sitting at the feet. So as we get ready for this upcoming year, I thought there were some more things we should do. We should sit and listen. We should learn to listen. We should sit at the feet of Jesus and learn to listen to his words. I have gotten in so much trouble in my life because I have rushed through the process of interacting with Jesus. I've I've, I've made prayers like this. God, give me wisdom in this season and I'm off to go. God, help me through this time. I need the words to say. And I never listen. I, I don't always take the time to sit and listen to what Jesus is saying to me through his spirit. If Jesus... The Son of God was willing to sit among the teachers and listen to them and talk to them. How much more should we take time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him? And listen to him. There's a, there's a passage in Luke 10 about a couple, uh, two sisters named Mary and Martha. And I'll just paraphrase it here. What happens is that Jesus comes into town with his disciples and he goes to their house. And one sister is cleaning up all the stuff and making sure. I mean, Jesus, it's Jesus, right? Like I got to make sure the house is tidy. Got to do the dishes, vacuum the floors. They didn't have vacuums then, but (laughs) brush the floors, whatever that is. And she's getting the house all ready and she's preparing everything. And then there's this other sister who's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him talk, just listening to Jesus, just just hearing his words, hearing his stories hearing his wisdom, and of course the one sister who's, who's doing all the brushing and, and doing all this stuff and wiping all the windows and all this stuff, she's just furious at the sister. Anybody ever been like that? Anybody ever been like that where you just think, man, I'm working so much harder than this person. I'm, I'm trying so much harder than this person. They're just sitting around being lazy, so she does what she thinks is right. She goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, can you believe my sister? Can you believe everything I've done? Like, I did all of this for you. I've done everything, Jesus, to make this a good experience for you. I want the glory, Jesus. And Jesus looks at her and says, what your sister has done is the most important. What your sister has done is the most important. Talking about the sister that's just at the feet of Jesus. That's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I mean, I think about that in our life. I think about that in our time and our age. Our world moves so quickly. So quickly. I mean, with social media and TV and everything, it seems like the days are getting shorter, right? Like time's just flying by, and we get so caught up in the busyness of life. And they're not bad things. What the sister is doing here, cleaning up for Jesus, is not a bad thing. It's not. She's she's trying to do the right thing, but she's missing the main point. The Son of God is in her house, and she has the opportunity to set at his feet. And with our world being so crazy and fast, there's times I think that we like that microwaved faith. That microwave faith, that that two-minute button, Jesus, get me what I need, quick faith. That's how we approach this sometimes, with our prayer life with our reading time, with whatever that is, that spiritual discipline, it's that two-minute faith. When I truly believe, based on this scripture, that our relationship with Jesus was supposed to be like that slow-cooked pot roast faith. Anybody else hungry? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Food food that is slow-cooked in a crock pot, simmering over hours, tastes so much better than a Hot Pocket. Doesn't it? I do love hot pockets, but that's okay. That's what our faith was supposed to be like with Jesus, is to sit with him. So I, my, as I was getting ready for this, I was thinking about so much, and next week we're going to talk a lot about getting ready for the new year, some habits we can put into our life. It's going to be a great message. But I want to make sure this is clear. We can, do so, we can do everything. We can try to get the house clean. We can be so busy doing things that I hope we don't miss out on the time With Jesus. I hope we don't get so busy with life in 2022, that we get so busy working and and doing all these things, these projects and everything, family, and I know it's all important, but I hope we don't miss out on just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting there, resting with him, allowing him to speak, and not just us speaking to him. The next thing I pulled from this passage as we continue to read in Luke 2, it says, his parents didn't know what to think. Remember, they just saw Jesus sitting there, listening. The parents don't know what to think. His mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. I like to think that Jesus is like, yeah, it took you three days to get here. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? Man, I must be in my father's house. These are the first recorded words of Jesus. The first recorded words of Jesus in the Bible. That I must be in my father's house. What he's saying is, that I must be about my father's business. I must be what I came to do here. Even as a 12 year old boy, he knew at this moment who he was. Why he was here. I must be about my father's business. And it was normal in that day for the son to take up the father's business. To to learn the craft of his dad and to grow into that. So what Jesus is saying here is, I will will take up my father's business. I will be like him. I will be him. I will be God. I know why I'm here. And the things I take away about that, as we get ready for 2022... Are we about our father's business? Do we have the mind and the heart of a a young Jesus here? As he says these words, why would you be frantic? Why would you be lost? I am about my father. Why would you be surprised I'm here? I have to ask myself, am I going to be about my father's business this year? As we move into this next year, Am I going to be willing to make the statement to say that I'm giving this year to the Lord? Whatever he calls me into, I'm going to step into it. Whatever he says to me, with giving me wisdom, maybe to make some changes in my life, I am going to listen to him. And this year, I'm going to be about my father's business. Our father, Jesus who gives us so much direction in life, so much clarity. All we have to do is be willing to say, This year, God, I'm giving it to you. This year, from this moment on. Don't wait till New Year's Eve to make a resolution. Is that what's called a resolution? Yeah. Sorry. Don't wait till that moment. You can make it right now. Saying, God, I'm giving you my year. I am going to be about my father's business this year. I am going to be about what you have called me to do. I am going to be and go where you call me to go. I am going to love the ones you call me to love. I'm going to be about forgiving the ones you call me to forgive. I'm going to make you the priority this year, God. Not my own desires, my own wants. I'm going to be about my father's business. I think if we can take something from young Jesus here, it's that that above all else, about about any other change in our life, the biggest thing we can do is fully surrendering our life to him, saying, I give you everything in my life. I give you every moment in my life, every desire of my heart, God. I give you that. So as I pray, I want you to think about that in your life. Are you willing to say, God, I give you everything? I'm about your business, God. I'm about your business. Let me pray for you. Father God, we praise you. And we thank you for who you are, God. And we pray that you would just speak to us right now. Let us be about your business, God. Let us us rest in your presence this year. But most of all, God, let us just give our whole heart to you. Surrendering everything, our own wants, our own desires, God, to just be about your business to be about your business, God. We love you and we praise you. Your holy name, amen.